Good morning. It is good to be with you, and I'm so excited to be here in Greensburg. I have never been to Greensburg before, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I drove around just a little bit when I got here, and I'm going to have to bring my wife back here. This looks like a neat little town just to explore. We love exploring little towns, and uh, I think we're going to have to come back here and explore this little town. It looks fascinating. And so you guys have been so gracious and so friendly as we come in, and uh, thank you for that and made me feel welcome. I told Brother Mark, I said, just tell him I'm an old country boy, and that would be fine. Uh, and I didn't need all that, but uh, it is good to be with you. And we are uh, glad to be in Kentucky. Uh, sad to leave our family, but we God made it very, very clear we would come to Kentucky. And let me tell you, it is a beautiful, beautiful state. And uh, we get to travel all over and see different ones. And so what a blessing uh, it is to be here and to serve as your Kentucky Baptist Disaster Relief Director. And uh, we have some amazing people in Kentucky and great volunteers. How many disaster relief volunteers do you have here in this church? Do we have any? We have a few, don't we? But by the way, in just a couple of weeks, September 9th, there is a training in Hodgenville. So we would encourage you to sign up and be part of that. And you, some people will say, well, I don't know that I can get away for a week or 10 days and go. We would take you for a weekend or, or whenever we can get you to serve. But there is a training coming up on uh, September 9th in Hodgenville. That's not far away. And uh, you can go on our website and register for that. We would love that. But thank you uh, for your prayers and your support of Kentucky Disaster Relief Ministry. And I bring you greetings from KBC. And uh, thank you for giving through the cooperative program and to the Eliza Broadus. And that supports the ministry and the work that we do and uh, get to serve those in need. And, uh, I mean, I can tell you story after story through disaster relief and how it makes a difference. But we do have the opportunity to share the gospel. And it models the ministry of Jesus as we go to help meet their physical need, opens the door to, to share with them about Jesus and, uh, and see those people come to the Lord in their time of need. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful ministry that we get to be part of and uh, get to lead them. So, But I could share over and over and over with you. But I think we want to get to the Word of God, don't you? If you've got your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to join with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see the writings of Paul. Have you ever thought about if you ever met Paul, what you would think of him? I've often thought sometimes I don't know that we would like Paul very well. Because I think Paul would tell us what he really thought, and we might not like that very well because we may need to hear some of what he needs to say. But yet he can be very kind and gracious and instructive as well. But sometimes we may not want to hear some of those things. But yet Paul gives us great instruction from the Word of God in our everyday living. It seems, though, that life, do you live life? <laughs> sometimes life can get hard, can't it? Does it get hard? Or maybe it is hard for you right now. It is difficult. Maybe you feel like things are wiped out. And so I want to just bring you a word of encouragement from the Word today as we look a little closer. And I've entitled this message, Bumps, Potholes, and Wipeouts. Do you ever feel like life is just like that? There's bumps along the road. There's some potholes. And then sometimes you just feel like it's wiped out. And I get to travel... A lot of roads across the United States, across Kentucky, and it seems that, uh, especially in the Louisville area, there's construction going on. Have you ever been on the Gene Snyder? <sighs> That's where I catch up on my prayer life. 
some of the construction zone that you think is never going to end, and then suddenly the potholes that you find and the bumps that along the way on the Gene Snyder gets a little crazy. And, and I hear people talk about it all the time, especially in the winter. Back home, not far from where we lived in Missouri, there was a small town named Carterville. And it was a town, uh, an old mining town, that was notorious for potholes everywhere. I mean, that was just the name. So we changed the name of that town, jokingly, to Craterville. And uh, it really fit that town. And so we drive through those roads. Then when I came to Kentucky, and uh, I got into Kentucky, of course, Gene Snyder's a road all of its own. But then I remember uh, I was in my office just two days, two or three days, when we had our first... A historic flood event in eastern Kentucky. And I was headed to the Stanton-Jackson area over in eastern Kentucky. And I remember going out there. And in, in Missouri, where we lived, the, the roads are pretty much straight. And they're marked out in mile sections, just, as, just the way they're laid out in southwest Missouri. And I get over in east Kentucky, and I'm, I'm going from Jackson to Irvin, and I'm going through the mountains and through all this. And I stopped and asked a gentleman, how do I get through here? You know, are the roads closed? Can I make it? And he told me, he said, just get on that road right there, turn left, and it just stay straight. And if you stay straight, you'll get to where you're going. And I get on that road, and I'm thinking, there is nothing straight about this. And so when we say straight in Missouri, you go straight. In Kentucky, I had to learn that going straight means stay on that road. So it's windy, and there's bumps along the way as well. Some of you remember, some of you young people have no idea what I'm going to say when I say this. Some of you remember the old Saturday morning wide world of sports. Remember that? Came on every Saturday. And you remember the introduction to that? Remember it? The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And that poor guy that showed up every Saturday morning, that skier coming down that slope, wiping out and crashing. We saw that. That's etched in our memories, isn't it? And the wipeouts that happen. Life can seem like the roads we travel, doesn't it? Kind of bumps along the road. Don't always go the way we want. We like things to go the way we want them to go, don't we? Do you like it to go your way? But it doesn't always go your way, does it? Then there's some potholes that come along that really jolt you and disrupt your day or your week. But then there's times it seems like life is just wiped out. We don't even know what to do. So how do we deal with that? And frankly, when life seems wiped out, I don't know how people deal with it if they don't know Jesus. Jesus gives us strength. Jesus gives us hope. Jesus gives us direction. He gives us something to lean upon. He is our refuge and our strength. And so this morning, I want to submit to you five principles from the Word of God for what it seems when we experience the bumps, potholes, and wipeouts in our life. Or maybe we can just simply call them disruptive disruptive moments or seasons along life's journey. Disruptive moments. Maybe it extends into more of a season, but we all face them. And so I want to give you five principles this morning as we look a little closer. So look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just a few verses here where Paul is talking about, and you've heard this before, the thorn in his flesh. And Paul had a vision there in the first part of that chapter, and he speaks of this, 
But then he goes on in verse number 7, and he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. The previous verses talk about the revelations that was revealed to him and the, the instruction there. He says, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And as he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, I pray your blessing upon your word today. Speak to the depths of our heart by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll share with you five principles that we find out of this passage this morning, maybe to encourage us as we face those bumps, those potholes, and those wipeouts in life. Number one, there is a purpose. There is a purpose. Disruptive moments are often divine appointments. Disruptive moments are often divine appointments. Do you ever find yourself maybe in a store, maybe driving down the road, or maybe at work, or whatever you're doing, and there's, you happen to see maybe a need or something that you know that you could help with, but there's that overwhelming feeling of, I don't have time for that. Do you ever do that? I know I do. And then sometimes you dismiss it and never think of it ever again. Other times it may eat at you a little bit. I should have helped or I should have done something. Sometimes we need to realize that the disruptive moments in our life may simply be divine appointments that God has set up for us to make a difference in the lives of others. That He's using a bump along the way to get our attention, to help us to see things beyond ourselves. But also it may be for our own instruction, our own teaching. Do you ever think that God is trying to teach us something within our own character, our own heart, and to shape us throughout life's journey? If you don't think that, then you're missing the point of the Scripture in the Christian life. He's always working on us. There's that old children's song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And and it's going to be a lifelong journey. But he says here in verse number 7, he says, To keep from exalting myself. Does pride ever get in your way? What I have noticed about pride, and we all battle it, is that it creeps in before you ever notice it, and then when you notice it, it's pretty bad. And 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 it's something that we all battle with. But he's saying here that God has done this to keep me from exalting myself or to keep us from exalting ourselves. And it's easy because we like me, don't we? And we like ourselves. We like to feel better. We like to be taken care of. But if we would believe that our disruptive moments are simply divine appointments, it can change your whole perspective of the situation that you're in. Knowing that God is constantly aware of your surroundings, constantly aware of what's going on in your life, God's not up there saying, well, you're going to have to wait a little bit because I've got a situation over here. And I've got to deal with that. 
God is with us at all times. He knows, keenly knows what's going on in your life. And he may have allowed a disruptive moment in your life because there's something you need to learn, something you need to, to, to know, something you need to grow upon, and it can change your perspective of the situation that you're in. And nothing comes into our life that God doesn't first allow. And if we would remember that, it can change our whole way of thinking. It's like Zig Ziglar used to say, we need to change our stinking thinking. And that is so true. We need to begin to think like the Lord. And when the enemy comes, God protects us even in the midst of the battle. And I'm so grateful because that's a battle we cannot fight. All we can do is rely upon Him. Because we are limited in our resources. We are limited in our ability. We're limited in our knowledge. But He is limitless in His resources. And He will grant the ability as needed and when needed according to His will. He is our everlasting consolation. And, and when life gets too heavy, when it gets too much to bear all by ourselves, He's always there to come alongside us and help us. But herein is where pride creeps in. I can do it myself. I got this under control. And many times it's when we get to the place of desperation when we finally turn to the Lord to seek His help. We need to be seeking His help even when there's not a crisis. And so let's, let's get that in our head. And it's through those difficult times that when, that's when we experience His grace and His mercy and His presence the most. Think about it for just a moment. Think about your Christian life. At what times have you grown the most spiritually in your life? When things are fun and easy? Or when you're going through some of those difficult circumstances in your life? I would say through the difficulties, because that's what drives us to our knees. And we seek the Lord, and He teaches us through those journeys. Now, I don't want to pray for those times to come into my life, but we know that they do. But as we look at those, that's when we really focus our attention upon the Lord and upon our own heart as well. And we know that it's for our good, because our difficulty often reveals God's glory. Our difficulty often reveals God's glory. That's the first principle. The second principle is that of pain. That of pain. Now, we don't like pain, do we? But pain is part of life, isn't it? But pain is... Progress without pain is usually not possible. Progress without pain is usually not possible. He mentions here in this passage, he says, "...is given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me." What is, what is this? What is he talking about? Many have suggested many things about this thorn in the flesh and what it was for Paul. We're never really directly told what it was, except we are told that it was difficult and it was painful. It was a disruptive issue in Paul's life. It was a constant reminder that God is his strength, that God's grace is sufficient, that the strength comes from the Lord and a constant reminder of Him. But what was the thorn? Some of us just want to, inquiring minds want to know, don't we? What was that? I don't know. There's been a lot of speculation. Some have suggested numerous things. Some have even said it's the possibility that maybe his thorn in the flesh was a wife. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I doubt that's it. Scripture does give us a little insight, though. As we dig a little deeper in the Scripture, he gives us a little insight as you look at verse number 7. He talks about that thorn in the flesh. But notice what he says. A messenger of Satan. 
to torment me. Are you ever tempted and feel tormented by the evil one? That he's always trying to disrupt everything about your life? This gives us a little insight of what Paul was dealing with, forcing him to constantly lean on the Lord for his strength. Verse number 8, Paul asks and says here, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. God said no. But then as we drop down to verse number 10, he gives us a little insight on what that was. Now think about this for a moment. Does God use people to accomplish his purpose on earth? Absolutely. He has called us and commissioned us to go ye therefore into all the world and proclaim the gospel. He has chosen us to take the good news to the world. He has given us abilities and strength to use us. Disaster relief is one of those. The skills and the abilities that we have to go and to serve that opens the door for the gospel. And so he uses people. He uses people with resources, financial resources to support ministries and those kinds of things. And he's gifted people in their generosity. But if God uses us for His purpose, the opposite is true too. Satan is trying to tear that down. And Satan will often use people to hinder the work of the Lord. Be careful, Satan doesn't use you. But in verse number 10, he gives us a little bit of insight of what that thorn might look like. He says, therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults. Have you ever been insulted? Let me ask, have you ever insulted someone else? Is that Satan using that with distresses, with persecution, with difficulty? Sometimes God, Satan will use people to try to tear down God's servants. I had a gentleman one time after church, this has been years ago, a gentleman came to me after church one time and he says, Pastor... He said, I've got to tell you something. I said, okay, what's that? He said, you as our pastor should never have any stress. I said, really? He said, I'm serious. He said, you should never have any stress. You should be as calm and cool as ever. I said, so why is that? He said, if you're really relying upon the Lord as you should, as we all should, if you're really relying upon the Lord as you should, you shouldn't have any stress because you're just giving it all to Him and you're good. I didn't say this out loud, but I wanted to say, well, if it wasn't for people like you, I'd be just fine. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut and just smiled and went on. But sometimes God uses us. I know I've been entrapped by that before. And it brings us to that point of humility and seeking God's forgiveness. Be careful that we're not used by Satan. But this is what, what Satan was doing. This, I believe, is what the thorn was, is allowing Satan to keep at Paul and keep at him, forcing him to lean to the Lord. We live in a skin-deep world that emphasizes clothing and fashion and makeup and plastic surgery and tummy tucks and nose jobs and all this other stuff. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But the problem is it's just simply cosmetic. Character and substance happens in the crucible of life. Developing our character, developing our deeper faith happens when the pressure is on, and real things are happening. You show me, show me someone who's never had difficulty in their life, and I'll show you a shallow person. I mean, honestly, it's, it's during those deep things, and when the pain comes, 
is when we grow the most. With my experience with disaster relief, I've seen a lot of destruction from tornadoes to hurricanes to floods and on the list goes. A tornado rips through a home. It sheds, it sheds everything in its path, destroys everything. I remember years ago, our small town had a small tornado come through and destroyed a section of town. It was primarily older homes, but it just really destroyed everything, just messed up everything. But then within two years later, that place was beautiful. The homes were built with brand new homes and everything was restored. Sometimes we feel that life is like that, that our life has been ripped apart in shambles and destroyed. But know this, God will restore, God will rebuild our lives, and we'll be better for it. But sometimes we do have to go through the pain. But then the third principle that I want to share with you is that of provision. That of provision. The promise of God is the provision of grace. I'm so thankful for His grace, aren't you? I am so thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that He has given us what we don't deserve. Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. What a statement that he makes here. Paul asked three times for the thorn to be removed. God said no, but God promised him something even better. Sometimes when we pray for the desire of our heart and God says no, we feel as though God has turned his back on us. And that's not the case at all. Sometimes God just has something better for us. And if, by the way, do you trust God? By the way, do you trust God? Okay, that's better. Do you trust him? And so if you trust him, if he says no, does that mean you're going to be mad at God? Or are you going to trust him that he has something better? He's got something better for us. And so grace to live with the thorn and to find perfect strength is what Paul discovered. And if we would realize that the disruptive moments in our life, even though they're not fun, we don't want to be there, we don't enjoy it whatsoever, it does give us the opportunity that we can get on our face before God and we can seek the God of this universe who already has the answers and He will lead us through them and in the end make us better. And He'll give us what we need to get through them. It's amazing to experience God's grace and strength. John chapter 15 gives us a beautiful picture of what we're talking about here, of God's provision and making us more fruitful. That's the passage where it's, it's the pruner pruning the, the, the shrubs and the, and, the, and the vines. The gardener prunes the fruit-producing vines so that they produce more fruit. But pruning is painful. But pruning is productive. The gardener, remember this, the gardener is never more close and more personal to the vine than when he's doing the pruning. Think about that. When God is, in, have you ever been pruned by God? I have. When God is doing the pruning in our, in our heart, know that he is near. And what He does in our hearts makes us more productive. The fourth principle that I want to give you is that a product. That a product. Disruptive moments produce dynamic growth. Disruptive moments produce dynamic growth. He, he says here, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power is perfected. And in that I'm well content. Are you content with the Lord? 
what he is doing in your life. God told Paul that he would have grace and he would have strength to do his, his work as an apostle. But that it would be given in such a way that no one would think that the strength and the power was coming from Paul. But that it was coming through something else, through the Lord Jesus Christ. His life and ministry would be humanly unexplainable. Have you ever been in that situation where things happen and there's no other explanation except God did this? We need to be careful to give God the glory for all things because He is in charge of all things. During disruptive moments, God gives us more power. He gives us more righteousness. He gives us more strength. He gives us more fruit. He gives us more grace. He gives us more of everything when we lean and rely upon Him. And if we allow Him to do the work in us, we will learn and grow more then we can even begin to realize or imagine would be possible. And here's the beauty. We get to be part of what Almighty God is doing. We get to be part of what Almighty God is doing. And it changes our life. God doesn't allow difficult times to hurt us for no purpose. He does it for our growth, for our maturity, our spiritual growth, our dependency on Him, our development of our character and Strength so that we may reach others, that others may see us. Miss Betty, my first pastor at Miss Betty, if you needed somebody to pray for you, you went to Miss Betty. She was a prayer warrior. But Miss Betty had experienced heartache after heartache after heartache in her life. She'd lost a child. She'd gone through difficulty. She had a difficult marriage. Then he developed dementia, and you can imagine the last years of what that was like. She had a son-in-law, his daughter and son-in-law were visiting, and they went to bed that night and woke up the next morning, and right there in her home, her son had had a heart attack in his sleep and died there in the house. And it was things like that. But I can tell you, you go talk to Betty, and she had a joy in her heart and a love for God, and she had a prayerful spirit. That no matter what she had been through, she still had the joy and the strength of the Lord. I want to be like that. And so God uses that. During stormy weather, strong winds blow. And, you know, the roots of plants actually grow deeper when the winds blow. And then when the calm days come, the new roots uh, develop even deeper and stronger and give that foundation for new growth. We experience that in my son-in-law's house one time. He had a, had a small maple tree. It's probably about four or five inches in diameter in their front yard. It's one of the red flame maples. You know, those are beautiful. We had a storm come through our area one time, and, I, and they said they, they think they lost their maple tree out front. And he was really upset about it. And, and I, so I went over there, and we looked, and it had broken off. And the, the tree was actually laying on the ground, but it was still attached to the main part of it. So half of the Half of the trunk was broke and half was still there. And he said to me, he said, do you think we can save this tree? I said, it's doubtful, but if you want to try, let's try. So together we stood that tree back up and we tied some ropes to it and we staked it. And we tied that all up and he wrapped some bungee cords around that. And then then I found out he took three inch screws and screwed into that tree trying to hold that tree all together. I thought, okay, that's going to kill it for sure. That was not good. That was not a good move. And so he strengthened that back up, and the, air, and the wind would come, and it would kind of blow it again. He had straightened it back up. And then we, about a year later, we went through the winter, and the spring came, and about a year later, we had another 
strong storm come through. And I told my wife, I said, I bet, I bet they lost the maple tree this time. So I called my son-in-law and I said, I said, Nick, I said, how's the, how's the tree? He said, it's still standing. It's not harmed. That's cool. So time went by. We had another storm go through. I mean, another strong storm. It really went through their area. I called Nick. I said, I said, how's the tree? He said, it's doing great. I said, a few, he said, a few leaves blew off, but he said, it's still there. And over time, that tree began to heal itself. It pushed the screws out. He would pick up screws off of the ground. It was pushing the screws out, and that tree is healing itself. And I told him last time we were there, I said, this tree will never, ever blow over because it has been strengthened by the difficulty it's been through. And that's just like life. We're strengthened the difficulties that we go through because God develops that. And the fifth principle I want to give you, that of perspective. That of perspective. What we receive from disruptive moments depends on how we respond. What we receive from disruptive moments depends on how we respond. Paul said here, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ will dwell in me. Think about that for a moment. Do you want the power of God in you? Then humble yourself and allow Him to speak through you through the bumps, the potholes, and the wipeouts of your life. What a perspective for us to see. Too often we're crying, oh me, oh my, everything's so bad. There we go. We see it all the time because we're so focused on self and not even realize that God may be up to something right here. He may be getting your attention. He may be just ready to teach you something. He may be ready to use you for something. What is it? We need to learn, as Paul did, to look at our disruptive moments as opportunities for God to use us for His glory and for His purpose. We basically have three choices in response to disruptive moments. Let me give those to you real quick. Three, three choices in response to disruptive moments. Number one, we can despise the moment and rail against it. I don't like it. I'm mad about it. I'm going to stay mad about it. And we're going to be so self-focused. We've all done that. Number two, we can become discouraged by it. We can lose heart and just want to give up. What kind of witness is that? And we all face discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Sure you have. I have. We go through those times. Sometimes we need encouragement, but we face that discouragement. We can despise it. We can become discouraged. Or we can be determined. That we're going to let God speak to our hearts through it. And we're going to learn and grow from that disruptive moment that He's given us to walk through. And we will learn about ourselves. We'll learn about others. But more importantly, we learn more about God and His working in our life. I've often said that we're responsible for our actions. That makes sense, doesn't it? But we are also responsible for our reactions. We're responsible for our actions, but we're also responsible for our reactions, how we react to circumstances, how we react to things set against us, how we react to whatever comes our way. The question in regard to disruptive moments is never why, Lord, 
Why is this happening? But I think the better question is what, Lord? What are you teaching me? What do I need to learn here and let it drive us to the Word of God? What do you want to teach me through this disruptive moment? When I hit this bump, when I hit that pothole, when I completely wipe out, Lord, what are you teaching me? What is there for me to learn? And two things I believe happen. One, it teaches us and we grow by it. But others watch how we're handling it. And it's a testimony and witness to them about your faith in God. (laughs) But it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Here's what I've learned. A while back, I was coming from western Kentucky late at night. I'd been... Spoken at a meeting, was coming back late at night and came through a severe, severe thunderstorm. Probably should have taken an exit and waited it out, but, you know, men, we can do this, right, guys? We'll keep on going. I've got a truck. We'll go. So I kept going, lightning, rain. I couldn't hardly see the the lines. In fact, that's how I was driving. I was trying to see the lines on either side of the truck to keep me in the lane. Couldn't see past the hood of the truck, honestly. There were times that I hydroplaned. In fact, one time I almost was sideways in the, on the parkway and I was able to gain control of the truck once again and here we go. I couldn't see anything. The rain was so hard and so heavy. My visibility was hindered, if not completely blinded. I didn't even know exactly where I was, except I knew I was on this four-lane parkway. And I kept going, kept going. Finally, the storm let up. But here's what I learned. Even though I couldn't see beyond the windshield of that truck, God never once lost sight of me. Not once. And that's what He does when we go through disruptive moments. We may be so blinded by the circumstance at the moment, but God never loses sight of you. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have another son-in-law. He's a weightlifter. He's a big boy. And I mean a really big boy. I've had people say before, aren't you a little scared of him? I said, nope, not at all. Not at all. I said, really? I mean, he could take you. Not a problem. I said, what do you mean? That boy likes to eat. I just tell him I won't feed him. You got, him, got the problem solved. He's a big boy. He takes a lot of calories to do what he does. He's a... He, he's a Middle school PE teacher and then a varsity defensive line coach. But he also does strength training and he's, he's weightlifted for a long, long time. We went a few years ago and watched him in competition. And I'd never been to a weightlifting competition in person. I've seen him on TV, but we were there in person watching this competition. He got out on the bench press. Now, these are free weights. It's not a machine. These are free weights that he's handling here. And at that time, he was competing with 740 pounds. He's, he's about 750, 760 now is what he's benching, and just, just in his workouts. I can handle that. No, I doubt it. Most of us can't lift that much, not at all. 
So we're watching him, and I mean the extreme strain that he's under with this amount of weight. But here's what I noticed. That there are four guys standing around him very, very close. He had the weight all by himself, but those four other guys were right there, ready to catch that weight if something were to happen. If he ran out of strength, if an injury happened, whatever would happen, if there was an incident at all, they were there to take the weight off of him and keep him safe. God never said we wouldn't carry the weight. But He did say He would be there to help us in our times of distress and would never allow the weight to be more than we can handle. It was a promise of God. That's what God does for us. He helps us. He says, My grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's enough. For my power is perfected in weakness. In church, I don't know what you're going through, what you're dealing with. Maybe you're just hitting a bump in the road. Maybe you hit the pothole and it's rattled your, your cage. Maybe you feel like life is just all wiped out. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the answer. You're trying to do things all on your own. You're trying to go down life's journey all on your own. Do it all on yourself. I can do this. I can tell you, so much better when you lean upon the Lord, isn't it? And trust in Him. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're trying to do life without Him, oh, give your life to Him. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Follow Him with your whole heart. Experience His gift of grace, and it will transform your life, I promise you. Walk with Him today. Sometimes we just need to stop and do business with God. Lord, You know my circumstance. You know what I'm dealing with. I don't like it. I mean, frankly, there's things in life I just simply don't like. But He's put me there, and I need to seek His purpose and see what He teaches me. I will learn and grow so that God may use me to reach others. And He wants to do the same with you. What will you do with that today? Give it to Him. Lean on Him. Trust Him as your Savior today. Father in heaven, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the hope and the strength that it gives us. Thank You for the reminder that in the midst of difficulty and heartache and struggle, You are always there and Your grace is enough. When the insults come, when the the lies against us come, the... The attacks come. The temptations come. When we fail. When we totally mess up. When things blindside us, Lord, You're there for us if we would lean upon You. And Father, I pray today that if there's someone here today that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, Father would say today, today is the day I want to give my life. I want to trust You as my Lord and Savior. I place my faith in You Come into my life and save me today. And at that very instant, your word promises that our lives will be different. Father, there may be some here today who's going through those moments. Maybe the bump in the road, the pothole they've hit, or the complete wipeout. And we're trying to do it on our own. Father, it's time we just turn it over to you and say, Lord, I'm trusting you today. Teach me through this. Give me wisdom and direction as I seek you. 
and that we would humble and yield ourselves to you and not be prideful. Because pride is destructive to ourselves and to our testimony. So, Lord, may we humble ourselves and seek your face. And as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, we invite you to do your work. And may you have your way. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.